A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. Well, you might think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin. And whilst you'd be right, then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we're going to be joined by Stephen Hammersley, who is the chief executive at Pilgrim's Friend Society, a Christian charity that supports older people. We'll find out more about his work there, but also dive into the issue of social care and look for solutions to this huge issue facing the government and indeed the whole of society. But first, this month, we will see strike action by nurses, ambulance workers, teachers, university staff, bus drivers, court staff, physiotherapists, civil servants, and of course, rail workers. Members are striking over pay and conditions, arguing that their wages are not keeping up with the cost of living or reflective of increasingly challenging working conditions. Those striking say that this is a last resort, but that they fear for the future of their professions if fundamental changes are not made. In response, the government has introduced the Strikes Bill in Parliament to set minimum levels of service which must be met during strike action. This is aimed at ensuring, and I quote, the safety of the public and their access to public services. Ministers believe that strikes are disruptive, irresponsible and dangerous and fear an unaffordable spiral of wage claims and settlements. I tend to think that the right to withdraw your labour is fundamental to living in a free society even as I also acknowledge that not every union leader acts in the real long-term interests of their members or of the wider public all the time. But whatever we think about the strikes, how might we think about this situation through the lens of biblical principles? Well, firstly, God places a really high value on work. His mandate to Adam and Eve before the fall to steward his creation was clear. In Genesis 2:15, we read, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The Old Testament laws say much about work and justice. In Deuteronomy 24, we read, do not take advantage of a hired worker, pay them their wages each day before sunset, because they are poor and are counting on it. Otherwise, they may cry to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty of sin. There are multiple warnings against taking advantage of others, and the principle of jubilee meant that land and property was to return to their original owners every 50 years, and those in indentured servitude or slavery must be released. Proverbs emphasise the importance of working hard and being honest in dealings with others. In Luke 10, Jesus stresses that workers deserve their wages. How do we apply these principles to current events? When those providing a vital service decide to withdraw it, Some may see it as selfishness or else as a last resort. Nurses have never gone on strike before. Those who devote their careers to caring for others are intensely aware of the impact of striking. But they say this is the only way they can seek to bring about deep-rooted change to systems buckling under current pressures. But service workers in the public sector are paid with public money, raised through taxation, and governments may feel constrained by economic circumstances and political philosophy against increasing taxation. When the cost of living shoots up, the same wages cover fewer bills, and the impact is felt across both public and private sectors. 40% of people claiming universal credit benefits are in work, but their wages are just not enough to live on. 
The Trussell Trust found that 20% of those using its food banks are in work and include nurses. What value does our society place on work as an expression of human dignity? But how does government ensure that people can meet their needs from their income when food and energy costs are so high? It is worth noting for context that average pay rises for private sector workers is around 7% at the moment, compared to around 3% so far for those working in the public sector. According to John Stott, work should fulfil the worker, benefit the community and bring glory to God. How far do we see this reflected in 21st century Britain? Whatever we think about the strikes, here are some ways we can pray. Let's pray for constructive discussions between government, employers and unions, for each side to seek to understand the other and for neither side to dig in for the sake of a power struggle. Let's pray for a recognition of the dignity and value of work, particularly for those working in highly pressured conditions, and for a resolution that will be affordable to employers and respectful to employees. Let's pray for access to God's deep pools of wisdom in the debate around the sort of reform needed to ensure that our NHS, education system and other fundamental services are fit for today's challenges and circumstances we face. The issues are complex and there are no easy answers, but we would hope that the posture, tone and attitude of Christian politicians and union leaders will be seasoned with grace, gentleness, a desire for justice and a desire for peace. So let's pray most of all for God's justice to be done and for his love and compassion to be reflected across our public services. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. So to our guest this week, Stephen Hammersley from the Pilgrim's Friend Society. Stephen, we love to start our chats with our guests to hear about people's faith. So tell me a little bit about yours. It came about when you were pretty young, didn't it? Yes, I uh, became a Christian uh, for myself when I was eight. I was brought up in a Christian home and we had a American missionary staying with us who took me to one side and asked me if I'd ever asked the Lord Jesus into my life and I mm. I said I hadn't and he sat me down on my bed and we prayed together um, and uh, I accepted the Lord Jesus as my saviour he told me to tell my parents and my Sunday school teachers and other people which I did um, and you know thankfully I've uh, gone on with the Lord from 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 then on and at different stages of my life obviously that I think that childlike faith has to be reaffirmed mm. and uh, that's happened so praise God. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Stephen, the necessity of time means that we're going to whiz straight on to the role yeah. that you have now with the Pilgrim Friend Society. But tell me a little bit about the Pilgrim Friend Society. It's it's um, it's not a new organisation, is it? Tell me how it came about. <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, uh, 1807, a group of uh, Christian people in uh, London uh, noticed the absolute squalor that older people were living in. Uh, they met together um, in some of the chapels in and around London and they decided to do something. And uh, they uh, decided, first of all, to set up a pension scheme for older folk and they raised money and uh, they had Wilberforce and mm -hmm. Shaftesbury as patrons. And they combined for many years, they combined visiting uh, people in squalid conditions, terrible, terrible conditions in, uh, in and around London uh, with some financial help. And then in about 1830, they started to provide uh, accommodation for these people, realising that the money they could give as a pension was it was it was all swallowed up by rent so they started to do that and we've been doing that ever since mm. and we now have 15 housing and care home schemes uh, spread across the country so explain a little bit more about what the charity looks like now so 200 plus years on society is mm. different some things are better some things are more challenging what does the charity do now 
So at its heart are, um, uh, as I say, 15 care homes and housing schemes. So we look after about 500 uh, older people, many of whom are significantly frail uh, and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, but we combine that core operation with uh, reaching out into the community. So in our third century, uh, the trustees mm. determined that, that would be marked by taking what we've learned about uh, living with and caring for older people uh, out to encourage churches, to encourage individual Christians who either have pastoral responsibilities within their fellowships or indeed are concerned about evangelism mm. uh, in their communities around. And uh, uh, that was marked really by the understanding that there are going to be significantly greater numbers of older people uh, in our society. And most of those will not live within a care home or a housing scheme specifically for older people, but most will be living within the community. Um, and so that was our, our, our as perhaps our, our, our new ministry after after th after two hundred something years. That's our new ministry um, um, for the for for this century of our century. And I guess you know, that we we are living in a society where, as you've just alluded to, people live longer. On mm. the whole. What what challenges does an aging society bring for us as a society as a whole, and for you as a as an organisation? So. Um, the challenge is really just in the numbers um, mm -hmm. and the nature of needs that uh, that older people have. So older people tend to need uh, or, or make more demands of the health service. Uh, obviously, they uh, they draw pensions. So, so those are the needs. There mm -hmm. are obviously it, it, diseases like dementia become more prevalent, not because the incidence of dementia is increasing. It isn't. But there's simply more older people and uh, as a proportion of the population, more older people have dementia than younger. So, so those are all challenges. But I, I do think it's also really important to see to see to see this not in through the lens of challenge. It also has to be seen through the lens of opportunity uh, and the gifts and the abilities uh, that older people bring, what they teach us about living with dependency. Uh, what they uh, they teach us about living through difficult times and trusting in the Lord. Um, so so, that, so that there's two things going on here. One, yes, challenge because of numbers and the nature of need for those who do need care, but also opportunity uh, for us to learn and to celebrate uh, the lives of older people. Now, over the last few weeks on this programme, we've been looking at some of the big political issues. We looked at the mm. NHS, at climate change. And today, we've got the opportunity to unpack social care. Mm. Given the things you've just talked about, why would you say social care is such a huge issue at this moment? It is such an issue because there are hundreds of thousands of people who aren't getting the care that they need. Uh, and there are many more beyond that who are concerned because they're living alone uh, and they may not need um, sort of personal care. They may not need medical care, but they're certainly lonely. Uh, so that's why it's such a such a big issue. And we're just uh, at the start of a significant ageing of the UK population. So uh, typically people who are aged over about 85 start to need significant amounts of care. Uh, and they tend to get lonelier because their um, family uh, perhaps died or their friends have died. Uh, and there are 1.7 million people aged over um, 85 in the population today, uh, and I've described unmet need. In the next 20 years or so, that number is probably going to double or certainly increase by something of that order. So if there are some challenges today, you can see how there are going to be some major, major challenges as we go forward over the next couple of decades. And that's why it's such a big issue. 
Um, and it's very expensive with, with so many people needing uh, health care, needing uh, personal care. Uh, and so that, that's uh, the nub of why it's a big issue today. A mucky business with Tim Farron. We're speaking to Stephen Hammersley from the Pilgrim's Friends Society. Stephen, you set out very well why social care is such a huge issue now. Mm. Is there an easy answer? There isn't an easy answer, uh, but there is, I think in scripture, you see the outline of where an answer comes from. Uh, uh, scripture tells us to value people because they're made in the image of God. Uh, scripture tells us that uh, therefore all people are precious and it, it commands us to love our neighbours as ourselves. Uh, so at the very start point, you, you have a simple prescription for a health and social care system. It has to be built on those two premises. And the, the reason that they're important is because it's an us picture, isn't it? It's an us picture. It's of people who are valuable. It's people caring for one another. Uh, and so that the heart of the answer to the health and health, health and social care challenge we face is an us answer. It's uh, communities mobilised to care, to augment what the government can do well through things like a health and social care system. Mm. So, so that's uh, that's that again. That then obviously gets complicated when you try and work that out in practice. But I think that's the heart of of, of a solution of a, and of a good way forward. We see the Church of England this week wading into the issue with a report that claims that inaction on this would be a collective sin. Uh, they're also mm. calling for tax rises to pay for a new system. What, what do you make of those comments? So um, I'm not sure I'd use the words collective sin, but it's certainly uh, it's certainly not uh, live, the church is not living out its calling. I think I would uh, agree with that. Um, uh, the the church is it's it's interesting i i spent many years working uh, in in the area of community-led social action and uh, it is striking when you look into most all communities have got churches haven't they if, if you wanted to make a difference to the lives of older people in this country uh, and you looked objectively at the situation you would alight on churches as a key agent of change yeah they're they're in the communities where the old people are um mm. So, so I, sin is a bit strong, but I, I would agree there's an enormous opportunity uh, and there's a scriptural calling upon the church to respond to the challenge. That's the first thing I would say. In terms of taxation, um, uh, I, I personally would, would agree with that. I think we are going to have to pay more. Uh, the system isn't fair just at present. Some of the significant anomalies, um, the, the fact that people of modest means uh, might have to, to to use all of their life savings to pay for dementia care, for example, where, when some of that risk could be pooled through different ways of paying, including uh, slightly increased taxation. I, I think that also does need to be part of the solution. Now, when we're looking at social care, it obviously addresses uh, a whole different needs that individuals have. Mm. Some of which, of course, is 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 loneliness, is mm. a sense of separation from society, mm. particularly people who live a long way from mm. uh, any mm. family that they might have. Tell me a little bit about the role that you think society should have, and indeed how the Pilgrims Friend Society does mm. have in addressing that. Mm. Well, you're quite right because um, it's it's both the numbers of older people, it's the characteristics of old age. In other words, family and friends do die. And it's also the fact that in some parts of the country, not all, 
families are more atomized so relatives younger relatives are not are no longer close by um so what you need in such a situation is you need uh, other people to look out for their neighbors and of course that's a scriptural command mm. which is why churches are so important and actually uh churches are doing so so much this is not a case of churches not doing anything of all the institutions that are reaching out to lonely older people in communities around them i think churches if it was all added up must be the number one senior citizens clubs lunch clubs all those kinds of things that so many many churches are running so uh, churches are part of the answer pilgrim friends society um uh, we can see however that um or we could see and we do see that quite a lot of what goes on in churches needs to be better equipped people need a bit of a better understanding about dementia for example uh, there's a lot about how you support people who are informal carers uh, and um, it's one of the reasons in our in our third century we uh, we decided to work in the community. We've started another charity called Faith in Later Life, along with mm. Salvation Army and London City Mission and others. Uh, and the purpose of that is to equip churches so that all of those lunch clubs uh, can be that little bit more effective, um, and so that more churches are encouraged to do the reaching out to older people in the community. Mm. Um, and encouragement is a really important part of this. People need to tell churches that what they're doing is important because an awful lot of work with older people, particularly when it's uh, with people who are living with dementia, is unrewarding. So people don't necessarily respond well uh, and show appreciation. So inspire, equip and encourage are the three things this charity would like to do uh, to churches so that more ministry happens in the community. Well, let's look at that in our last couple of minutes together, because I think obviously people who... Uh, are older those mm. who may acquire dementia mm. and are christians how, how do you provide good pastoral support to someone uh, who has a christian faith but who is struggling with their mental faculties their cognitive abilities mm. because of a form of dementia so uh, there's i think there's two key elements to that and one is uh, a very spiritual one and that's never to remember that spiritual care is is a matter of the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So prayer uh, is so essential um, to that. Um, and I think not to expect great res- responses always and appreciation and keep your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus who loves the person as much as uh, well, as much as he does you, who <laughs> loved the world. Uh, so that's the first thing. I think secondly, uh, there is some equipping uh, that can be done. There's um, there's ways of interacting with older people using all of the senses, uh, not just words, music, Christian music, hymns that are well known, um, using smells of things that might remind people of of, um, of of life in the church. For example, you know, communion, bread, the smell of bread, using familiar liturgy and language in terms of talking with older people to help them connect with uh, their faith, with things that have been precious to them. Um so, so there is some understanding, I think, uh, as well as, as as to how to go about things. And I, I just stress the encouragement. It is so important that people who are um, caring are encouraged and supported, and given breaks and all that kind of thing, because it's a, it can be a really hard ministry um, mm. providing pastoral care to those living with dementia. Just from, I guess, my perspective, it feels like the one thing more challenging even than that is to how you minister to, how do you share the gospel with people who are not Christians, but mm. who are struggling with dementia? Where would, you, where would we start? 
So I think the start point is to try and find uh, some way of connecting with them. Um, just one little example. I used to visit a gentleman in a, in a care home and there was a lady in the lounge who frequently was disturbed living with dementia, calling out for help. She didn't really need help. What she was saying really was, I'm not happy here. I'm not at ease here. Because when anybody came, it, well, she wasn't settled. And I used to uh, take in with me the book that was produced for the Queen's 90th birthday. And it had the picture of the Queen on the front. And it was brilliant at connecting with someone. So one day I stopped on the way out and we we looked at the book. She recognised the picture of the Queen. We managed to then have a conversation. I started to share bits from the book. And then there was a poem in the letter that the Queen had written. It was a poem, actually, that, that her father had used uh, at one Christmas. And as I started just to read that poem, this lady started to respond. Um, and she knew the poem. I'd never heard of it before. And she mm. quoted it by, from, from memory. Uh, and as, as she got to the bit where, she, where he, uh, the, the, the poem said, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. And that lady's hand reached out and she put her hand into my hand. And we prayed together. We prayed, the, the, you know, we prayed a prayer of faith. Now you just have to trust that, that you, you have to mm. trust that the Holy Spirit's at work in that lady's life. She's never going to say, "Pray the prayer that I prayed when I was eight to accept yes. the Lord Jesus," but you have to just trust that the Lord Jesus is at work. So I would try and use very, very familiar hymns, very, very familiar passages of Scripture uh, that I, people I, would know. That is really wonderful and very helpful. I, I do wonder. It's interesting to hear about your coming to faith at the mm. age you did. We've had people on the show. Uh, coming to faith even, mm. even younger it's mm. a reminder that you know whilst the case for christ will stand mm. in the most rarefied intellectual settings yes. likewise uh, he is acceptable to uh or he 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 will accept and faith in him is possible from yeah. the simplest of souls so you've said things that really encourage us today and helps us to think from a christian perspective yeah. about how we care for mm. older people and uh, and consider the mm. challenges that mm. we face in an aging society so Stephen, it's been an absolute blessing to have you with us thanks ever so much thank you tim Each week, we give you the opportunity for you to ask any question that you'd like about this mucky business of politics. It may be how an aspect of this world impacts us Christians who work within it, or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer, so please drop me an email to farron.premier.org.uk this week, a nice topical one. Have you ever forgot to put your seatbelt on, and what should the punishment be for a politician who gets caught not wearing one? That's from Rebecca in Portsmouth. I think we've all seen the pictures of uh, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, uh, speaking to camera in a moving car whilst not wearing a seatbelt. I think it's fair to say, I mean, the first question is, have I ever forgotten to put my seatbelt on? N not to the best of my knowledge, but I wouldn't swear to it. The second thing is, is it... Is there a suitable punishment? I think the suitable punishment for a politician who gets caught not wearing one is exactly the same punishment for everybody else. And so I guess it's up to the law enforcement agency, the police, to take a decision on whether it's right to punish person A or person B in those circumstances. What I wouldn't want is for Rishi Sunak to be treated more harshly or in a more lenient way than anybody else. And maybe that's the real key here. I think this gets to the heart of a, a much bigger issue even, which is about equality under the law. We read this in, in Glenn Scrivener's book, uh, The uh, Air That We Breathe, and in Tom Holland's book, Dominion, the sense of uh, 
everybody, the most powerful and the most lowly in society, being equally under the law, never being above it or too great for it, is something which is a Christian impact upon, in particular, but not only Western liberal democracies. And whilst it may seem a trivial thing, uh, but I think, nevertheless, the key thing here is that the application of the law should be the same for everybody. And if you or I, somebody who is not a politician, was to get caught at a traffic light um, by a police officer not wearing your seatbelt in the passenger seat or the driver's seat, and you might well do, then we'd expect the same for the Prime Minister. No more and no less. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. So let's end in prayer. Uh, loving Heavenly Father, uh, we know that uh, you made us in your image and we know that you knitted us together in our mother's wombs and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, uh, that we're made uh, with ultimate dignity. And that includes those people who are ageing, those people uh, living with dementia, maybe very, very advanced dementia. We thank you for the work of the uh, Pilgrim's Friends Society over the last 200 plus years. We thank you for what they do today. We pray for our, our government uh, and all politicians that you might give us wisdom and courage and compassion uh, and, uh, and indeed inspiration to come up with ways in which we can care for older people, uh, people who have care needs uh, much more fairly and much better and with better dignity. We pray also for Christians working alongside older people, that indeed I pray that we all would, and that we would have wisdom when it comes to uh, pastoral support being provided for those who are Christians in later life, but also give us that wisdom and insight as to how we might share the gospel effectively with somebody living with dementia. And Lord, as our country is racked by industrial action and disputes this time more than any time in the last couple of generations we pray for peace and we pray for justice um, we pray that we as a society would seek to understand one another that we will be fair and we will be wise in the decisions we reach i pray in particular for our politicians for our government for union leaders and indeed for workers as a whole that wise decisions will be made that a desire to understand one another will be at the heart of all that we do and that there will be outcomes that will bring peace and fairness to our country we ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch up on past episodes which feature interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash A Mucky Business. It's been great having you with us.